1: Flaky Biscuit is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Welcome to Flaky Biscuit, where each episode we are cooking up delicious morsels of nostalgia. Ah, I love that. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) These are meals and recipes that have comforted and guided our guests to success. That means that each episode I'm creating a recipe From scratch, and literally hand-delivering it to my guests. I feel so honored. These recipes, I hope that you are also making at home, and maybe even giving me advice on where I went right, where I went wrong, what what could I have done better, as if y'all know. I'm (laughs) I'm just playing. I think that food plays such an important role in our lives. You know, I'm sitting here in a room full of people, and I guarantee you, everyone in this room is thinking about food. My name is Brian Ford, and I have someone very, very, very very warm and amazing and special by the way (laughs) who greeted me with one of the best hugs i've ever received in my life my guest today is an accomplished chef and tv personality celebrated by fans and peers alike for his creative global cuisine with his signature cooking style charisma and infectious sense of humor which I ain't gonna lie I had that written down Infectious sense of humor And I was like We'll see about that But you've done Funnier than a mug Oh thank you (laughs) A lot of pressure (laughs) (laughs) Well they'll see They'll see He has captivated audiences And built a loyal following Across his social channels And not only that my man's got a background in marriage and family therapy. So, babe, we might need to um, have a little sidebar. We'll, Get...
2: we'll chat after.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or chat during, whatever. Or chat during. <laughs> Meet my impressive, amazing guest, Chef Ronnie Wu. Welcome to Flaky Biscuits. Uh,
2: thank you for having me. That was the best intro ever. Yo, Like, I feel like we've been best friends for, was... like, years. And I just met you today. So where'd you come from? You jet lagged? Yeah, randomly, my family planned this very last minute trip to Japan. And I rarely seldom get to like just go on trips with just my sisters and just my parents. Cause you know, I'm married and one of my sisters is married, there's three kids and I love them to death. But you know, when the kids go, it's always like, them it's no. about them yeah so it was really nice to just be with us adults and like actually like talk to my sisters without interruptions
1: yeah so you had to jump at that last minute trip man you yeah
2: totally to. it was a long flight for like five nights
1: yeah oh yeah four days and five nights damn that man went to japan for for a couple days <laughs> yeah
2: like. i love my family though and like the thing with our family is like all we do is eat ever since we were young like my parents would plan trips around places that were like foodie places yeah you know, it was always very much like what are the restaurants there like? What's the food like? If it's not good, we're not going to go. They yeah. weren't like, where are the temples? Where are the shrines? Like, where's the historical sites? It wasn't like that. It yeah. was like, where's the food? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yo, I'm, you already know I'm the same way, man. I don't like to play in places they ain't got no good food. Right? You know, I, hey, no disrespect. Hope no one in here is German. But like, hey, <laughs> Germany dog like you, you cool but like bro where was the food at like where was the seasoning <laughs> oh totally
2: oh totally I, I can't even tell you like there's some european countries which i won't name
1: you don't want to join me in calling out a whole country <laughs> and shitting on
2: them? <laughs> no i don't want them coming for me
1: i don't are know what german? kind of vendetta they'll have on no, me because your last name seems like it could be german <laughs> be. but you're not oh shit are you ju- fuck damn it
2: all right Brian's just offended one oh. german in our in our room right now
1: <laughs> oh man i feel so bad because nick is my dog nick nick's the audio producer here at flaky biscuit and um i think i owe him a lot of biscuits anyway so yeah. talk to me about the food in japan man i never been so like what you gotta go well i got a shellfish allergy
2: oh okay well then you definitely should still need to go and there's other things than shellfish what
1: about the dashi it's not you know what I'm saying? Like, Dashi, isn't that made with seaweed? But is it used in? I think it has shrimp. Uh, fuck me, man! I should know this too. So, oh <laughs> I was like, just there. Both, both of us should know this. I'm, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> Japanese though.
2: I'm Chinese, so technically I'm you know not obligated to know that. Yeah. Well,
1: I guess like my point is like a, a lot of things have traces or remnants of like oyster or shrimp within the cuisine, even if it's you know a rice dish or something. So I get I get scared. Totally. Because what happens? Will you die? I'll cease to exist. Really? You'll just like vanish yeah. into
2: thin air. That's probably what Nick wants right now.
1: But, uh, <laughs> so what was the best thing you had on your trip? The
2: thing is, I am a voracious eater and I eat an insane amount of food. Like, uh-huh. people look at me and they're like, oh, you don't eat. And I'm like, no. I eat for like four people, no joke. Like Damn. the first night I ordered three bowls of ramen and the the waitress is like, it's like 400 grams. I was like, I don't know what that means, but I'm still going to eat it all. Scarfed down three giant bowls of ramen and I think the waitress was horrified. Wow. But I would say, speaking of that, I think the best dish that I had there was the udon
1: just like a general blanket udon statement. I
2: think so, yeah. Every udon dish that I've had there is always on point. The noodles are thick, they're chewy, they're slightly bigger than the noodles that you find in America, and they're fresh. You can just taste that they're fresh and they've just been like handmade and it's so delicious. You know, aside from like the fresh, fresh sushi that you can get there at the fish market, I would say
1: the udon is my absolute favorite. That's a hot tip and udon won't kill me, so I should be yeah. able to go and enjoy that. Just don't get the, the one with the shrimp on it. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> um, listen, so you have... Have a cookbook before we jump into the flaky goodness and and we explain to our listeners what you had me making this episode. I want to hear a little bit about your cookbook real quick because I know you you seem a little like anxious about yeah, it yeah I'm
2: anxious about it, but I'm more like anxious about eating your apple pie <laughs> that sounded very. <laughs> That sounded really naughty for some yeah, reason.
1: you're anxious about eating my pie? Yeah, I am very anxious about it. I
2: mean, <laughs> there's always so many pies that I'll eat.
1: <laughs> hey, man, listen. We've all eaten a pie or two. You know what I'm saying? We yeah. all
2: salads are good too you know like i think salads are really yummy so i like to balance it out with pie and salad
1: <laughs> you got any salads or pies in your book
2: i do so my book is called did you eat yet and as i've been telling people about the title and what it's called a lot of people have actually been really able to relate to it but for me personally it was actually based off of something that my mom just says to me all the time uh-huh. i hear a lot of like my asian counterparts saying like oh you know what Asian people don't really express their love that well. You know, they don't say, I love you. And it's very sort of a, I wouldn't say unemotional because I feel like over the years, my parents have learned to be a little bit more emotional. But yeah. instead of like saying, I love you, a lot of them, my mom is always much. did you eat yet? And in Chinese, she goes, ne jo fan me, which directly translates to, have you eaten rice yet? But rice also translates to like dinner. Uh-huh. So it's like, have you eaten dinner yet? So say, it's always, say it again. Yeah smooth yeah. smooth <laughs> i'm like slightly <laughs> semi-fluent in cantonese and no one ever guesses it yeah not even when i go to like overseas to like hong kong where they speak cantonese or they always talk to me in english and i'm yeah. like do i look Like a white person
1: Yeah I I speak Spanish But as soon as They hear my American accent They're like "Ah, gringo man I'm like Hey yo man I speak it man I understand it Is that offensive to you When they say that I'm American So no Yeah
2: You're like I speak two languages I mean that's more than You can say For so many people Yeah
1: I can't I can't uh, argue with them I am pretty gringo But But you can speak Spanish
2: Like fluently Claro que si Hombre Wow that's so sexy I don't know what you just said (laughs) What did you just say I
1: said of course I can Yes Yes, (laughs) Yes I can Yes I can do it
2: But so yeah it's called did you yet and when I was telling people about the title they're like you know whether they're Asian or even Jewish like Italian like anything that's very like people relate to it because I think a lot of people I think you would understand this too it's coming from like a family of food and just being a food lover you just want to feed people right I think it's sort of a universal language like food is my love language in a way I have a lot of love languages but food is one of them yeah and to show that I care for people I cook for them. I love that. But I also really like the validation of people eating my food and be like, hey, mm, that's yeah. so
3: good. Yeah, man. You know,
2: if I don't get that, then I'll never cook for you again. So it's just <laughs> like, make sure you say it to me or else you'll never, ever, yeah. ever, ever get my food. <laughs> hey, hey, dually
1: noted. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> wink, wink. Wink, Dually wink. noted. So we're, you know, you know, we're talking about love languages. We're talking about cooking or baking. What did you have me bake or cook for you? So when I was younger, my grandmother
2: would when we'd go grocery shopping she'd always like get the main groceries and then we'd always go down like the baked goods aisle you have like the fresh stuff and then you have like the processed stuff yeah. you know and there was these little pies these hand pies by hostess that came in like wax paper wrappers and it came in like different flavors like grape which is always kind of strange and yeah. then like custard great like cherry but apple was what I always got because it had like chunks of apple, although it was like super gelatinized Mm -hmm. and super sugary. Mm -hmm. And it was always like a treat and they were really inexpensive. And so my grandmother would always pick up a couple and my mom would start doing it too. And growing up as an Asian kid in America, you're kind of like always wanting to fit in. And I think food was also a way of fitting in as well Mm -hmm. because you know my mom obviously would pack me different types of lunches than the other kids at school. So whenever I got something that was very American, such as these apple pies, these like hand apple pies by Hostess, which is like hands down American, you know, like Twinkies and stuff like that. Are you
1: kidding me? Hostess (laughs) is the best bakery of all time. In the whole universe. (laughs) (laughs) In all of baking history, Hostess easily ranks in the top three. Yeah, they
2: definitely make delicious things and iconic things, too. Yeah. And they still make these pies to this day. And every time I you know, will let myself eat one, it's very nostalgic for me because I think of my grandmother, who did pass away last year. I'm sorry to hear that, bro. Yeah, i
1: sorry to hear that. Yeah,
2: it's unfortunate. She had a really full life, though. My grandfather had died in 2015, so like a few years back. So she had been alone for a little while, mm-hmm. and I think the pandemic really did her in a little bit, and I think she was ready. So mm-hmm. she celebrated her last birthday with my family, and she died that same night. So it almost felt like it was like – She got her last raw. She got to eat some cake. She spent it with my entire family, and then she passed away. So not to be a Debbie Downer, I'm I'm sad that that. she's not here, but I'm also happy. I think she's with my grandpa now. And yeah,
1: she definitely is with your grandpa. And I hope that what I made for you today can bring. I mean, this these are tough shoes to fill. I mean, (laughs) this nostalgia that you have is is very very close and personal to your heart. So. Don't fuck this up, Brian. Pretty much, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, gonna have I'm, I'm, really bad <laughs> memories
2: after this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're dancing around the fact that if I mess this up, I might ruin his memories with his- uh, my grandmother. <laughs> That's not, not great. We might, have, we, might no. have to, we might have to cancel Flaky Biscuit. Wait, so what, when Bridget and I were doing research about this, there's like deep, deep hostess, like stuff
2: that sounds very dangerous and dark. And the,
1: it's actually not dangerous and dark, but it's kind of weird because they used to do the promos and commercials with like Spider Man and stuff like that. Did you ever No. Did you ever note the Ninja Turtles had a specific hostess pie? They did. And they did a whole ad campaign and they were like green, right? Mm-hmm. Could you imagine eating a green hostess pie?
2: I mean I'm sure at the age that I was when my grandmother first started though, I would think it's cool.
1: But you were just getting the regular, the regular, the regular, the de- regular, like, describe a hostess apple pie to me, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Be- so, I grew up in New Orleans, we had Hubig's pies. I don't know if you know I about Hubig's heard of that. pies. Is that like a hostess there, yeah, but the a smaller it's, version? It's a smaller, that's exactly what it is, Ronnie. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I know that sensation when I used to eat one. Like, I want you to tell me and the listeners the exact romantic specifics behind what it feels like to have the hostess pie, open it up, and take a bite. Okay. I mean... I want the deets, Okay.
2: Gosh, you want all the deets. I want all
1: the nasty deets.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if they're nasty, but you know, in this case, it's very clean. Um, So I I love them because I don't know what it is, and I can't necessarily describe it, but there's something about the wrapper that I love. Mm. It's very strange, but it's like a wax paper. Yeah. It feels like they're homemade, but I know they're not. They're made by a giant machine. Maybe at one point they were by, like, Mrs. Hostess, but, like, I think you know, at this point, they're mass produced, but something about the wrapper, the way it feels and the way it sounds.
1: Hey, babe, can you go wrap that pie for me real <laughs> yeah. quick? It's like, I'm asking you about the pie. It's
2: like a to high about- quality wrapper, And it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> Damn. It's easy to open. So I'm not like struggling and like some plastic wrap. I don't know why I keep talking about the rapper. You wanted the details. It's like only rappers. <laughs> Yo, we, imagine you're not you're-
3: alone. Actually, there was like a ton of blogs that were talking about just specifically the rapper. Oh. Really? Yeah.
2: Okay. okay. So I'm not a big so weirdo. You're not
1: a big weirdo, but what we should do is approach hostess to make like a special ronnie woo rapper
2: yeah anyway proceed please so so once you get to this amazing perfect wrapper and you open it the pie itself is like gorgeous for some reason Uh it's like perfectly glazed Uh you know some glaze looks gross for some reason the hostess glaze it covers the entire pie you don't get like little spots of unglazed dry crust that's the worst. It's yeah. the worst, Brian. I hope you didn't do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here looking towards the corner to see what my. I, like, I don't remember how I glaze it. Uh, okay, so but, the glaze so is
2: Every perfect. bite is like, you know, even the crust, like, cause you know, like hand pies, there's like a thicker part where it's just crust and no filling. Uh-huh. But even then, that's good <laughs> yeah. because it's glazed. Yeah. And the glaze is like not too thick, not too thin. It's like just right, like Goldilocks. And <laughs> And then the inside is this really fake apple pie filling (laughs) there's little bits of apple pie that have probably existed for like 15 years already yeah yeah. it's like a sourdough
1: sourdough, starter (laughs) that was exactly like like a pre-ferment a little bit apple grows
2: a little more and then you get more filling (laughs) but it's like little bits of apple pie it's like super thick and gloopy Mm. kind of like the canned apple filling that you can buy yeah it was sweet Obviously, so as a kid, you love it. And it was just, it kind of like had this really smooth mouth feel, mm-hmm. you know, when you combine it with the perfectly glazed crust and then like the really sweet, fakish apple pie filling. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just, because like, you know, I like apple pie, but sometimes apple pie filling can be too apple Yeah, like too, too organic much, and shit. Too organic. Like, like You're
1: you coming up with the farm fresh yeah. and like, you know what I'm saying, natural sugar and all that kind of totally. thing. Totally, and
2: I'm not against that, trust me. Yeah. My day-to-day eating, I'm very much like, let's do the organic, let's do the right. farm fresh right. stuff. But with like treats, I just want it to be a treat. You, you know what I mean? Like when I'm eating desserts, I don't want to go for the gluten-free stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we
1: might guess the producer's about to chase us out of here. Who else we got to insult? Two, like, we got
2: two more. Give videos. me the full butter, the full gluten-filled stuff. You know, even if it makes me die, want, <laughs> that's the last bite I want to take. You know, I don't want to be going out on a gluten-free uh, like no. whatever it is nowadays. Yeah, so no I offense agree. to anyone who lives like that. No,
1: no offense. <laughs> listen, listen. And to our listeners who are gluten free, I love you. I My, respect you, know, you. We respect you. We have gluten free recipes, and you know we want to take care of y'all too. We do genuinely care about you. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after
3: this. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret.
1: All right, all right, let's just jump back in. So between the nostalgia involved with this dish and the way you just described a hostess apple pie, I don't know if I'm going to make it, man. I, th- <laughs> I think So first of all, I think we need to get the pie over here. Uh, Ooh, the, the, the lovely Bridget so will be grabbing the pie. It is not in a, in a wax wrapper. I know I'm losing points. <laughs> I'm, uh, it's coming on a plate. I know Thank I'm automatically you. losing points. Ooh, it's gorgeous.
2: <sighs> no, this is gorgeous. So
1: before you take a bite, I want to I kind of briefly let you know and the listeners what I did. You already know the recipe is going to be found on Shondaland.com. Huh? You already Bitches. know what it is, baby. <laughs> Let's roll, baby. I want to see y'all making this recipe, baby. So what I so here's the thing. When I typically make hand pies or pastries in general, I don't usually, I don't make that many pies. Okay. So if I was to make an, a hand pie normally, I would do it with like a puff pastry or a, like a media luna dough, also known as croissant dough. Ooh, I some, love the way you said it. What is it? Uh, How do you say it? How do you describe it? media luna. Is that that's a sidebar? But basically, that's an Argentine pastry. That's okay. Um, similar, similar.
2: It's like a a, a layered, flaky. I
1: typically, pastry. yeah, I would typically make a hand pie with a more flaky, uh, layered, laminated situation because I'm more experienced with that. Yeah. So, and also like when you think about a hostess pie, like you said, that mouth feel, the crust, it just kind of crumbles and melts into the mouth. So it's like, okay, I got to make it. I gotta make it reminiscent of that. I can't make something too artisanal because then it's not gonna be a hostess ham pie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if I pulled up with like this perfect puff pastry, you'd be like. I'd that? love it, trust course, me. Yeah. I
2: would eat it, all of it, yeah, every last yeah, crumb. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, you know, I made the dough, <clears throat> very simple, cold butter and all that kind of thing. And the filling, very simple. I don't know if you have an apple preference in general. I think I use Pink Ladies.
2: I like Pink Ladies. Honeycrisp, Galas, yeah. Honey
1: anything. We was talking about what? Macintosh. Right, yeah. Yo. Cosmic. <laughs> he was talking
3: so much trash about Red Delicious.
1: Red Delicious is the worst apple of all time, and I could have a whole podcast about why. It's like ashy.
3: It's it used bro. to be great. It used to be no. the best apple, but no. then they over-farmed it, and then it became really? the worst apple. Was
2: it because it was the only
3: apple? Flaky
1: facts <laughs> by Bridget talking about over Listen, over-farmed <laughs> or under-farmed, they, they don't messed it up. Yeah, it's true. It's <laughs> like don't mess incest. It up.
2: They over, they, it's like the forest people that just kept breeding with each other. It
1: tastes like... you know, <laughs>
2: I don't know. Is that a good comparison? <laughs> yeah, no,
1: it is because because Red Delicious apples taste like styrofoam and cardboard put together. Yeah. Under the illusion that it's an apple. Totally. God, they're so bad. It's anyway, true. so I peel these pink ladies because you already know you got to keep it nice and right for the ladies. <laughs> um, I toss them in cornstarch, sugar, not brown sugar, pinch of nutmeg, and cinnamon. Then I put it in a pot, boom, boom, boom. Let it get nice and thick. I didn't want it to get too dark because I noticed what hosts apple pie is. a filling is not that dark. It's not that it's dark. Like, it's like weirdly- Light colored. Bro, I've made a lot of apple pie fillings and there's never, it's not beige, bro. Yeah, it's like a tan color. <laughs> well, I don't know what kind of red dye number eight <laughs> they be putting yellow <laughs> yellow dye number 16. Anyway, so I baked it. And now it's in front of you and I think, I think the moment has come. We've come a long way from hugging at the door to right now. It's time for you to take a bite okay. and um, let me know your exact thoughts and if I'm bringing you back to your childhood.
2: Okay. I'm super excited and just for the record, I just I love it when people cook for me just in general. So just the fact that you did it is like special to my heart.
1: I appreciate <laughs> that. I appreciate that. Um, but don't fuck it up.
2: Don't. <laughs> Cuz my grandmother did just die and you know, you don't
1: <sighs> know. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy! <laughs> all right.
2: I feel like I should take it from the center. We'll be- like I should break it in half and eat it from the center because that's—is
1: that what you would normally do?
2: No, I'd normally eat it. Like I'd eat half of it in one bite. <laughs> but I'm
1: around humans, yeah. so I don't want to no, look no, no. like a You're- animal. Don't worry about them. You are an animal.
2: <laughs> all right, aren't we all? All right. Oh shit, man! I'm super excited. Eat it from this end.
1: That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. It reminds me of
2: another apple pie. No. Okay. Just to be clear, that is delicious. Like, absolutely delicious. The crust mm-hmm. is like buttery and flaky, mm-hmm. holds its shape, but totally falls apart in your mouth once you eat it. Okay. Like, very tender. Okay. The filling is a little darker than yeah. the hostess but
1: you, you, you notice why i had to sneak that line in right yeah just,
2: just but that's probably because you don't have all the preservism shit that hostess <laughs> probably uses it to keep it on the shelf for like four yeah. years yeah but the filling is delicious the filling is delicious mm-hmm. but it, it and doesn't... the right consistency like because the apples are not like cooked too mush but they're also not like super crunchy they right. still have a little bit of body mm. but Uh-oh. they're still tender do they have too much body because uh-uh. i was worried about that no, you know what this pie reminds me of, though. It's what? another
1: not your nostalgic moment. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, another nostalgic moment, but a less nostalgic moment because it was a more of a moment with my mom. But the apple pies at McDonald's.
1: Oh, and that's oh, a compliment too. Oh, watch because out! Son. This needs to
2: be heated up, and uh-huh, then it would be straight uh-huh. up like okay. the apple pie at McDonald's. Should we I mean, get the... that
1: in the microwave for you? <laughs> let me let me bite off a piece on that. Let me get a piece too because um... and um, once
2: you like crisp it up, it's a little crispier, but. It's delicious. So you didn't go wrong in the sense of making the pie. mm -hmm. It was more so just not necessarily an exact match. But apple pie in general honestly does have a nostalgic mm -hmm. feel because my mom never made it. She just bought Bought it. it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Although it's like a pretty simple pie to make. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's not a whole lot of ingredients.
1: It's because of the moisture that's involved that it can be like you can get apple pie that's super runny and stuff like that. Totally. There's a little bit of technique there. But let our listeners know. And it's okay. It's okay to tell the truth. Was I able to recreate that hostess apple pie moment for you? Just say it.
2: It wasn't a no, and it wasn't a yes.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm in between. Yeah. Flaky
2: biscuit history. Mm-hmm. Because it, it looked kind of similar. I think the, there the was no, edges let's were- let
1: There was no wrapper. There, we all know it was a no. I know. I'm like, where's
2: that high-quality <laughs> wax wrapper? You should have put it in. Yeah. No,
1: you know what I'm finding? Actually, this is this is fun because I've done Entimins and I've done Tasty Cake. So okay. this is now Hostess, and these are fun, especially as a baker, right? It's like, how do you get something to taste like- it comes from a vending machine. Yeah. You can't unless you can't. unless we go and raid these factories and find out these secrets. But you know, aspiring to make it and at least having you enjoy it is it is part of the fun. It's so, a
2: definitely enjoyable pastry. It is an
1: enjoyable pastry. Yeah. All right, man. Look, I appreciate it. Our listeners can again find that recipe on channelend.com. Let me know how you would create pre-packaged vending machine flavors. This is really great, man. Let's talk about you, man. Let's talk about your journey. Yeah. You've talked a little bit about how you keep a pretty clean diet and this, that, and the other. And then, you know, I learned you a model and stuff like that. It makes sense. You got the perfect shiny skin. So how
2: how did you, you know. (laughs) The grease and the oil.
1: (laughs) How did you go from being a model to having this cookbook? I mean, and to being a chef and to, to having this like really fun YouTube channel, that kind of thing. Like, what was the situation like? Was the hostess apple pie part of that inspiration?
2: I think a lot of the inspiration Unbeknownst to me, was the way my family eats. You know, Mm -hmm. like so much of our time together was spent eating. And like one of the things my parents were always very adamant on was spending time together at the dinner table, like every week, I think five days a week, sometimes seven days a week, like depending on what our plans were and how old we were. But even up until we were going to college, like, we were always at the dinner table together. Yeah. My mom made dinners every single day, and I look back and I'm like, "Whoa, that is a hard thing to do." Yeah, man. like it wasn't just like let me throw some pasta together. My mom would literally make like a protein, then she'd make like, two or three side dishes, cooking away, and then these beautiful hot dishes would show up. And I don't think I really appreciated it until I got older. And I look back at now, she's like totally over it, and she hates. It. <laughs> she's <laughs> like, "I've cooked my whole life, <clears throat> yeah. fed three kids, and raised them. I'm done. My duties are over." But growing up. There's a lot of things that kind of inspired sort of my I hate the word journey because I mean, it's like used on The journey. Bachelor. And I'm like, oh, this journey. Tell me about
1: your journey. Yeah. Uh, I don't
2: think this is my journey on this show. I think you're here for the wrong reasons. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, Caitlyn's here for the wrong reasons. So this journey's over for her. And you
1: already know he's like, man, I'm trying to. Yeah. yeah. Caitlyn getting down. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I don't care what reason. Don't you ditch her. <laughs> don't
2: throw her off the show yet. I gotta get some. <laughs> but yeah, I think. With my career journey, at least, I know that, like, you know, I wanted to be a model very early on. I signed with, like, a local agency. I think the thing is back then, I. And you hear this all the time, especially from people of color, you don't really see a lot of representation. Back then there wasn't. Now it's like we're so lucky. Like, you know, we have a long ways to go, but there's more. And back then though, every model was like white and then you'd have a few black models. Yeah. But like every model agency had one Asian person. So it was like really hard to get in. One. Yeah, straight up, one token Asian person. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we already have someone that looks like you that was the response. Like we have someone that looks like you. And I'm like, but who looks like me? I look like me, you know? I'm
0: like, but it's, I'm just me, yeah. you know? Like
2: everyone else, it was like, you know, a ton of white people. I'm like, well, don't they look alike too? Like, you know, they're all the same ethnicity. So you should really only have one of each one ethnicity. Of each. Yeah, it would <laughs> you know? just be
1: like a ta- It's just like four people yeah, or so. Exactly. Maybe six, I don't know. Six, you know, you know there's there's like...
2: only six ethnicities in the world, so. <laughs> you know, so I think there was a little bit of motivation to become a model then. And so then I did like a local agency in Seattle I grew up in the Northwest and then I after college, one year of college in a fraternity, nonetheless, I moved to LA to become a model. I didn't want to go to New York because I think that I'm like not built for that. You know, <laughs> you, you gotta be real tough, right, Brian? You gotta be real tough. Yeah, you, I'm in LA because the winter
1: is too cold. Yeah. like I ain't play. I, it's I'm like, like, like my what? I don't up is up like, hard. Like, like, like my parents, like Hispanics, that go from like <laughs> <laughs> these subtropical climates and then they're just up in freezing cold weather, just like thriving. Totally. So, like, how are you doing this? You are like you Honduran. You don't know about cold. Well, they're probably
2: motivated, right? Yeah. like you know the immigrants are so motivated and like we forget like how much privilege they don't have and so they have to work hard and they'll withstand anything for a better life for their kids and for themselves and for future generations. You have to respect that because like they don't grow up with privilege. They just have to work. No, they have they, to work, they, work, work.
1: Yeah, and if they didn't work, 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 like I wouldn't be sitting here behind this microphone. Yeah, chilling. So in they this, did their job, right? Like, they did their job, exactly. Which is like, again, like you're talking about. It's like you know, you got to be built a different way to survive in that environment. Totally. But you ended up in L.A.
2: Yeah. So I wasn't built to survive <laughs> in New York. <laughs> I, <laughs> just a little prissy princess. No. And um, <laughs> I moved to L.A. and I signed with Wilhelmina Models, which is like this agency that I really wanted to. And so I modeled for a little bit i did a little bit of personal training and then i went back to school Mm because you know my parents Mm -hmm. like oh i just go back to school so i went to ucla Mm -hmm. and then i graduated with a a degree in psychology and then i was kind of at this moment where what do i do wow i worked with autistic kids for like a year and in that time i actually met my husband who i've been together with for 15 years and i moved to san francisco for like two or three years Mm -hmm. and that's where i got my two masters i got a master's in marriage family therapy and then a master's in business administration mainly because i didn't know what i was wanting to do yeah i thought i wanted to be a relationships therapist to uh-huh. tell people what to do right because i love doing that just tell like, me what to i do. love bossing people around <laughs> and like no take my advice dump that bitch <laughs> you know like oh my god that's a red flag he doesn't like mushrooms Ew. you know stuff like that the thing is like i think my personality is too like in your face to be a therapist and i think i knew that once i did like a year of internship and it's just like you have to be really patient and I was gonna say compassionate. Not that I'm not compassionate, because I am, but just like I think I would get too involved and like emotionally oh, attached oh, to my clients. Right, so I'd right. feel really bad. I and start you, texting
1: them at night, yeah, like, hey like, man, you talking you okay? to John? Or like, <laughs> yeah. what's going on, man? Give me the deets. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Keeping you accountable, you know? But, uh, and so, at
1: this point, food are you cooking? Are you, I mean, how you've created a whole career, whole life. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like uh, where was the food element? here? Like, has that been brewing or? Yeah.
2: So the food elements have always been brewing. Just, you know, like earlier I was like, I mentioned that my family loves food. So that was always brewing, but it wasn't always an option that was presented by my parents. You know, it was always like very typical, be a doctor or a lawyer. So that was always in the back of my mind, but I did like pre-med courses and all that stuff. And I failed like every single one. Mm. I remember like applying for like a chemistry course and like biology and Biology I'm pretty good at cuz I like bodies and like you know animals and things like that but like chemistry I was like
1: I don't know what these and like these letters mean double covalent bonds Yeah I don't know what that fuck is <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: like is that a People that a always recipe? tell me like
1: bake oh you're a baker you must know science and math I'm like I mean dog I got excel for my math and I don't know nothing about science <laughs> Just covalent bonds Just cova- <laughs>
2: double double covalent bonds Oh bombs. double cova- <laughs> well I am into triple covalent bonds so I don't know what you're talking about But yeah so then I it's always been brewing like food. And then I, when I met my husband, we did long distance for six months. And mm. the thing that we bonded on was like eating. And every time he'd visit me, you know, I was 23 at the time. So I was a lot. I didn't have money. So he'd visit me more often. So I'd always cook for him as like to show him that I appreciate him oh, visiting nice, me. Nice. And we saw each other every single weekend for six months until, you know, I was young and dumb. I moved up to San Francisco to be with him. But essentially the food was always brewing. It was kind of like, and that right. sort of awoke in my love for making food and sort of like being whoa, like I can actually do this. And uh, I do this because I actually like care for people Mm -hmm. I'm like oh my god I have a heart like (laughs) I want to cook for others (laughs) like I'm not I don't have a black heart so that was brewing but then after I graduated that was when I sort of had my epiphany right because I was like well I'm not a good therapist in the sense that I I have a hard time sitting in that space as a therapist and I respect therapists like we have a therapist for our relationship and I think everyone should have a therapist Mm -hmm. there's a total shortage of therapists you know yeah and so I was like, what do I really want to do? I had this moment where I was like, I'm still young. What do I love? I love cooking. Why don't I try my hand at this and mm-hmm. see if I can do it? And so I actually like locked myself in the kitchen for like another six months because I couldn't do any more schooling because I was I already just was doing like simultaneous master's right. degrees. So I come back to culinary school. So I just locked myself in the kitchen. I was like, either I can do this or I can't. And then after I finished that, <clears throat> I started my private chef company called The Delicious Cook. I actually, my first clients were just these two gay, this older gay couple that, you know, my husband always jokes that they probably wanted to like.
1: They wanted your apple pie. They wanted
2: my apple pie and salad. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so they hired me and I am so grateful to them because well, they first of all, I did not give them apple pie and salad. <laughs> I didn't have to, you know. They were amazing, perfectly lovely and that first event, lasted for like five hours they're supposed to eat at seven they didn't eat until like 11 oh, because now, i was still cooking uh-huh. and ever since i learned everything i needed to know from that one event they didn't kick you out they the did house? not kick no they were Boy, so gracious yeah they were drinking uh-huh. so luckily thank you for alcohol uh-huh, you know uh-huh, uh-huh. that saved my ass but ever since that first event I was like, I'll never make this mistake again. And then my business kind of just kind of took off. Yeah, You know, they even tipped me and I was like, I did not deserve this. Right. I don't even deserve to be paid. I'm right. like, this should be on the house. <laughs> yeah, and so I did that and around the time I was like, oh like, food TV seems fun, you know. And I got my first show when I was 30, didn't know what the fuck I was doing, but it was like such a great time. And then um, like seven years later, I have my cook my first cookbook. And for me, it's like, this is a huge dream of mine. Because like, yeah. I pitched it multiple times. It wasn't just like the first time. I wasn't offered a book, you know, yeah. it was like I had to really work for it. And yeah. then I finally landed on like the perfect editor, the perfect publisher. And I got to make the exact book that I wanted to. And not only that, I got to make it during the pandemic, mm-hmm. which honestly was such a blessing because I just got to stay at home and I shot everything in the book. You know, my husband shot all the photos that I couldn't take of me, and it was just sort of like this like project that we did together, and it came out exactly how I wanted it to come out. That's so, amazing. Yeah, man. I'm like congratulations super on you. that. By the way, thank I mean, you.
1: Because it's uh, I'm not going to say the word journey because I was, I was about to say, <laughs> but no, but your your pet's interesting because you started cooking. And I'm I'm curious in that f- the first six months when you when you you say you locked yourself in the kitchen. Yeah, what kind of food were you cooking? Okay, maybe, Everything. Were you cooking culturally? Were you cooking just anything you could technical. get you? It Technical. It was all you were, technical. You were going to technical Yeah, I was route. going
2: to technical town. It was kind of like, can I do <laughs> this? i going to technical I'm town. I'm to technical town. But keep in mind, I'm not a serious chef, yeah. and I'm not super technical in yeah. my method. I just wanted to know I can do it if I need it. You just it. wanted to
1: visit technical Correct. town. You I didn't, to, want, to, go, you didn't want to move there. I didn't want to move there. Move there. No, yeah. No, I like no, going no. back to, like, yeah, I don't you know, technical town. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Like I just don't think food is that. It's Ultimately, it's like, does it taste good? Like, does it taste good? No matter how you got to that delicious dish, I don't care how you got to it. Yeah, If it tastes good, it tastes good. I agree 100%. So that's how I feel. I know a lot of chefs can be really like, Sticklers, I know that's not how it's done. But I'm I think like... that's
1: that comes from within. That's some unresolved trauma or some kind <laughs> of like unresolved issue that you have as a as a cook or a baker or a chef. If you're like you know people that cut a loaf of bread open, you're like, well, my crumb structure could have been better. I'm like, dog, does it taste good? Can you toast it? Can you totally. put butter on it? Yeah. Can you put butter on that bread and share it with your family? Then what are you talking then about? It, the, it's the, the... delicious. So we visit Technical Town yep. and then we leave. Correct. Because you gotta learn, you learn some you, stuff. You gotta go. Be, Hold on. Let me. What are they doing in Technical Town right now? Yeah. oh They got. Oh, they got this new fly Okay. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly.
2: You need to be know what's going on. Yeah. But you got to also like forge your own path and build your own village. I that like, sounds so stupid. Forge
1: your, no, We're going to take that sound bite. <laughs> that sounds Ronnie Wu says you must <laughs> forge your own path. And, build your own village. Build your own village. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors.
3: Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret.
0: Hey, it's Brian again.
1: I saw a quote that stuck with me, and I've been I've been waiting for this moment to dive into it because it's really interesting. You said you've had to hold intersectional identities, and it's always been a work in progress for you. Yeah. And I wanted to dive into that because, and you know, I wanted to start with like, okay, like what were you cooking when you started? Where are you at now with your book? And how ha- has this like intersectional identity issue been a part of that whole process?
2: Yeah, totally. Well, intersectionality is kind of like the name of the game in my life because I feel like I embody so many different things. And in a way there's like different pressures to sort of live up to sort of being a representative of these different identities of mine. What happened with this book was as I was making it as well, and I kind of came to this realization even before the book, but this book is sort of a fruition of my realizations. But it's really just like the fact that I'm I'm Asian, but I'm also American, I'm also gay, and I'm a chef, but I'm also like, I would consider myself also more of a cook, Mm -hmm. you know? But, and like, I take food seriously, but I'm not serious about it. I mean, it's all these different like juxtapositions, right? But the main ones are, you know, being Asian, being American, being gay. They all kind of like collide with each other. Cause like, how can you be Asian and American? Well, you can, because (laughs) I was born here. I'm straight up American. it's like, you know, the apple pie reference. It's like, I love apple pie, but I also love my Asian food and like the food that I grew up eating. And the book is sort of a representation of that because it's not straight up Asian cuisine and it's not straight up American cuisine. And I wouldn't say it's Asian inspired and I wouldn't even say it's Asian fusion. I would just say it's the way I eat. Yeah, I don't necessarily say you can put a label on it because it kind of embodies so many different things. You know, it's kind of like, did my mom make it like this? Or like, did she try to make it more American? Or does she just straight up make an American dish? Right. Some of it's inspired by my travels. So it's not even Asian at all. It's just the way I like to eat. And I think the recipes are, I think the way a lot of people nowadays eat you know like i think our generation even my parents generation they like sort of this melding of cultures and cuisines and ultimately like people are kind of obsessed with the word authentic but you're kind mm-hmm. of like what does that really mean i mean it only applies really to yourself like are you authentic to yourself right be your authentic self but other than that i don't think it applies to food per se anymore yeah it's hard I, it's
1: hard to yeah put something that you make into a box of quote-unquote authenticity because are totally. you're, you're you you've only lived your life right so it's it's exactly. like I, I like how you're really aware of this by the way you're you. you know this is your first book and you've worked but like you're you're in you're totally aware of exactly what this book represents Totally. that it's basically an extension of yourself as not just a cook or a chef but as a person totally right and that's something that i've learned along the way as well i'm like oh i didn't realize that there was not many other like black artisan bakers or you know afro latinos and blah 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 like i i was like i get it you know but when people say Oh, like a Hispanic chef. Most people think about Mexican... Chefs, right. Mex- me- you know, most people put Mexican cuisine in this pedestal. So I, I wasn't really. But there's like, so
2: many different types yeah, of like, you it's know, it's like
1: there's so many different types of Latinos, yeah. man. There's black ones, there's white ones, right? There's uh, in between ones, totally. There's Chinese in Honduras. There's <laughs> a whole Chinese bro. I met this Chinese cat that spoke better Spanish than my parents, <laughs> it straight Honduran. He was like, "How oh, am I?" was like, "Bro, an Chinese actual too. cat, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah." Like it was, it was nuts. But you know, I, I love how you're really in tune with this I feel like you're just getting going you just about to take off
2: oh well thank you huh? thank you yeah I think it's it's been a long journey path <laughs> whatever you want to say it oh god I'm gonna ruin that word for everyone but that's okay it should be ruined um, <laughs> <laughs> bachelor started it, yeah. but it has definitely been a lot and it's still a process like anyone who tells you like I'm there like I know exactly who I am is lying to you because yeah, you don't you're, it's you don't. a process it's constantly changing I think the goal is to come to the acceptance that you will never know who you are, you'll never find the answers, and that's where you wanna be, because then I think ultimately you just kind of accept this sort of like mystery conundrum of Mm -hmm. what your identity in life is, because it is constantly changing. it does. You know what I mean? And the
1: media media sways it too. I don't know if you've ever felt more or less empowered based on what's going on in the media at a certain time. It's like, I feel more empowered to be Afro-Latino than ever because everybody's on board with it all of a sudden. But when I was growing up, being called the N word every day and knowing, you know, like I was not empowered at all. I was like, (sighs) I was trying to be white, right? I was trying to be more of a white situation, assimilate assimilate more, but now I feel very much like, oh hell yeah, I'm black as hell.
2: (laughs) You should, you should own it. You know what I mean? Because ultimately you can't be anybody else and you can't change the color of your skin. No. But the book itself is not a serious book. You know, I think the recipes are serious in the sense that they're like legitimate recipes. But the book vibe is supposed to be bright and fun and silly and yeah. goofy and the stories are fun. You know, I'm not like diving into sort of my mental breakdown. You're
1: like, not in Technical Town.
3: I'm not in Technical uh. Town. No, I'm
2: not in Technical I left that.
1: Um, <laughs> listen, we don't play with Technical Town. That's the takeaway of this whole podcast. All right, the book's amazing. Before we let you go, we got a couple other things here at Flaky Biscuit that we love to do. All right, I don't know if you're for this but we have a flaky game.
2: Oh I love flaky games. We got a
1: you like flaky games? You like games or flaky games? Both. (laughs) I love any
2: just not flaky people.
1: Yeah no just not flaky people. Yeah. All right. We're going to play a little game. I'm trying to keep it lighthearted. All right. It's about pies. Okay. I love pies. All right. Obviously. We've already established. Although I'm not sure if you loved mine, but. (laughs) No, uh... I do love it. See, I'm going to just keep eating. Look, hey guys, I just, Mm. I just forced him to take another bite. Mm. (laughs) Mm. 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 Absolutely. It's actually really delicious. (laughs) Guys, it does taste good.
2: Yeah. I normally don't get pies at this time of day though. I normally (laughs) eat pies at like midnight.
1: Uh, Oh, Oh, so wrap it up in a wrapper. Yep. In wrap a it up in a, rapper, in a wax wrapper and then open that up mm-hmm. at midnight when no one's watching when no one's watching <laughs> <laughs> when it's like 10 people watching me pie i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> all right so we're gonna get into some multiple choice here no oh, i love multiple right. choice. right i'm putting you on the easier. spot <laughs> easier yeah 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 all right welcome to the pie quiz we're here with ronnie Wu, and we're gonna get going who got the uh, who wants to be a millionaire hit me music? baby you know that music they're like yeah yeah you gotta kind of you gotta lower it though we got the custom soundtrack all right ronnie when added to dough, what will guarantee a flaky crust? Is it vinegar? Is it red bean paste? Is it cold butter? Or or is it hard seltzer? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let me just walk
2: through my reasoning for my choice. It's not red bean paste, because that would just weigh it down, because mm-hmm. beans, I think, are generally dense. It'll create a <laughs> dense pastry. Vinegar will keep it moist Mm -hmm. and then the uh, what was the last choice? Hard seltzer. Hard seltzer I think is used more in like heart well, hard seltzer with alcohol in it you can yeah. use that alcohol will also kind of keep it light and moist the butter my understanding is that if you put butter in it cold butter it will create steam and it will create layers and air pockets in your dough and thus you'll have a nice flaky crust that way ding 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 is that ding, right ding. yes
1: okay. amazing technical town thank Te- you cold butter is what will get you a flaky crust congratulations you got question number one correct we're moving on get another pie? You got to finish the first one to get another <laughs> pie. All right, come Ooh. on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Which of the following is, controversially, actually a pie and not a cake? Okay. All right. Is it king cake, cheesecake, carrot cake, or rice cakes? See, I just burped. <laughs> <laughs> the
2: pie must be delish. Okay, so king cake is a cake. Rice cakes are cakes because they have like flour in mm-hmm. them. It's basically, I think, anything that's flour in it. So, so I would say a cheesecake is a pie. Yes. Because it's the cheesecake part is a filling, but it's kind of shaped like a cake, but the cheesecake is a
1: filling. Absolutely 1000% correct. Okay. Cheesecakes are actually pies
2: It's the same person who named the red delicious They don't know what the fuck they're talking about Bro, don't
1: even get me started (laughs) on red Here's here's a question Which apple sucks? Red Red delicious delicious.
2: (laughs) Get Uh... rid of it out of existence
1: Alright, two more, two more Which hand pie is most associated with Latin American baking? Okay Pockets calientes (laughs) Empanadas Hot pockets (laughs) or hostess apple pies.
2: <laughs> what are the first two again?
1: I like how you narrowed it down. <laughs> the first one is Pockets Calientes.
2: Pockets Calientes. Pockets. Okay. Pockets. Calientes. Okay, so Hot Pockets. <laughs> <laughs> empanadas.
1: Empanadas! Yeah, because the
2: other two are American as you get. And then you just said Hot Pockets in a different language.
1: <laughs> I thought I could maybe trip you up. You know, you're like, oh, you know, maybe some... I
2: got two masters. You can't That's trip right. me up. I might be jet-lagged from Tokyo, but you can't trip me up.
1: It's like a Peruvian delicacy, Pockets Calientes. I love Empanadas, though. Um, and delicious. the last one... This one's great. Bridget found this really amazing fact. And take this as literally as possible. Okay. okay. Which of these unincorporated communities is named after apple pie?
2: <laughs> wait, wait, which one of these unincorporated communities is named after apple
1: pie? Sounds is very it, business. <laughs> <laughs> is it Hovland, Minnesota? <laughs> Fuck. Hyannis, Massachusetts?
2: like a high anus okay not a low anus. It is a not a, anus it's not a
1: low it's not sober it's it's a high anus or pie town new mexico
2: there's only three choices
1: <laughs> yeah apparently there's no fourth choice high <laughs>
2: town new mexico Mm-hmm. Uh, anus and then the other one was Ho- hovland hovland yeah i'm gonna get this wrong i mean pie town sounds delicious isn't i right with pie town it's pie town okay <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 And you ding. said, and now I get it. Take this Don't, as literal yeah. as possible. Pie Town's
1: actually right next to Technical Town. We just drove through both of them. <laughs> uh, but
2: Pie Town's a real yeah, town. it's real.
1: It comes from- Technical
2: Town, just it? so you know, is not real. Te- Brian and I
1: just started just start that <laughs> it's community
2: It's community unincorporated yeah. community
1: <laughs> We want to, to create like Let's go buy an island And call yeah, it Technical let's do Town that, Yeah and, and we could host cooking workshops Perfect. there Perfect This is actually a dope ass idea But it
2: wouldn't be Technical Town If we hosted the well, workshop It'd be it Fun Town it's,
1: Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh man Ronnie I wanted to also talk to you Before we let you go Yeah um, I'll be here you know, forever it, <laughs> <laughs> We will all be here forever <laughs> <laughs> at, at the end of each episode No we, one's we, leaving <laughs> We love to At the end of our episode talk to our guests about, you know, organizations that are near and dear to maybe your heart, things that uh, you do to help improve your communities, and ways our listeners can get involved. Let our listeners know about No Kill Los Angeles and why that's important to you.
2: Yeah, so there's two organizations, No Kill uh, Los Angeles oh, yes. and KLA. No, 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 don't worry about it. And SBCALA, which is also another dog and cat shelter, animal shelter, really. So. As much as I love people, I feel like animals are always just better. Mm-hmm. Like animals are in my jam. I have three dogs, some fish, <laughs> and a turtle, a random <laughs> turtle that I've had for 15 years. It's going to outlive me. I probably like overly love my dogs, probably more than normal people, Mm -hmm. but I just think they're just so pure. And so, you know, no shame to anyone who purchases their dog, but I think like there's so many dogs now that need rescuing and there's so many cute ones. And what I love about like rescue dogs is that they're all like unique and individual. They have
1: random trauma that you discover like a year later, you're like, oh, Gigi doesn't like brooms. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, and I sit down with them and I'm like, tell me
2: what happened in your past. Tell me more, how does it make you feel? And also I just think like with no kids, kill it's a great shelter because it's called no kill because they won't kill them until they're adopted they won't kill them until they're adopted <laughs> so wow that is not what i meant like they won't kill them at all not even when they're adopted never, never. No, they, there's no killing involved <laughs> once you want that one they'll kill it <laughs> right in front of you child don't cry be tough that's how they train their the kids um stop crying you little bitch um it's more so they won't the dog will never sort of be euthanized and so if some people are skittish like my husband is kind of skittish about like actual shelters because you look at them and you're like, some of these dogs are going to be euthanized. If you go to NKLA, you know that all of them are going to be rescued no matter what. Yeah. And if, if they're not, they're going to stay there. You know. And they, they have these like nice kennels and they get played with and stuff. It's a really nice facility. But once you adopt one, you know n- another one will replace it. If the sort of idea that you can't save all of them, but you can at least save one or two or three like me, you can adopt them. And so I just think there's just so many dogs that need adopting. And so like, why not? I just think it's, it's a great cause and I just always encourage people to adopt I try to get everyone to get a dog. Yeah. I'm like, just know it's a commitment because it's like, I always remind people like, you know, I'm a huge dog advocate and you know, I, during the pandemic, a lot of people had adopted dogs and I adopted a dog during the pandemic, but I sort of knew what it entailed. And a lot of people adopted it for like this temporary companionship. Mm-hmm. So now, now they're like returning back to shelters and it's pissing me off. Yeah. like I'm just like, what the hell are you thinking? Like, did you think the dog was going to live for two years? Like, <laughs> no, it's a 10 to 15 to 20 yeah. year sometime yeah. commitment. And the thing is like, You're the whole dog's world. The dog only knows you and that house that you guys live in or the apartment. And it's really important. So I always remind people to adopt, but also know that the commitment is... Ten to fifteen years, but it's so
1: rewarding because yeah. they're amazing. I don't know. Do you like dogs, Brian? We have. We <laughs> both have rescues. Oh, good. I have, okay, I have, feel. You know, Gigi came from Hialeah, Florida. She's like kind of a pit mix, and she was most likely used to breed pit bulls Ugh. for whatever reason people do. But she's super yeah. sweet. And Odie, Bridget in Colorado. His name was C J. C J.
2: Yeah, he formerly ran the no. Streets. Uh, <laughs> sometimes you gotta. Sometimes you gotta yeah. change their names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 CJ like, Sounds he, a little sketch. Might have
1: did some. All right. So uh, let our listeners know, obviously. So, you know, how can we support No Kill Los Angeles? Obviously, if you're going to get a dog, this would be a great place to go. And in terms of the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, um, is there like a donation or volunteers or?
2: Yeah. And it doesn't have to be NKLA or, you know, you know, SBCLA. It, It can be any sort of dog rescue mm-hmm. organization like you know they can all use money for dog beds and dog food and stuff so it's, a, it's if you can adopt oh, dog a dog beds. you know I know dog beds they're so cute dog beds
1: are so cute <laughs> Gigi and Odie so their beds are on each side of the bed and like they just like keep switching beds yeah do they so, yeah some days like Gigi will be on her bed and some days like Odie's on her bed I
2: don't know anyway dog beds are cute for some <laughs> reason they are they start to smell after a while yeah
1: but, but we'll have that information for our listeners in the show notes uh, to make sure you can get involved Ronnie Wu, my dog. No pun intended. Uh, I don't care. I can be your dog. I love dogs. It was an absolute (laughs) pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much for coming to Flaky Biscuit.
2: Thank you for having me. That was such a joy.
1: Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. If you like Flaky Biscuit, you already know what to do. Make sure that we are the number one food podcast to have ever existed leave us some reviews, leave us some ratings. If you want my hostess-inspired apple hand pie recipe, find it on Shondaland.com. And of course, as usual, I want to know how it goes. Tag me, at Artisan Brian. Tag Ronnie. That's at Ronnie C. woo, And tag Shondaland. We really want to see your process. Make sure that you're tagging us and, and send us messages. Leave us comments. Get into the Discord to talk to me. Let me know if y'all can make the wax wrapper because I I did not. <laughs> and make sure you go grab Ronnie's book, Did You Eat Yet? Out now, wherever you get your books. And here's a little tip in terms of making this hand pie, roll the crust a little bit thick so that you can get that nice mouth feel that's reminiscent of the hostess pie, all right? If it's too thin, it might break apart in the oven. So that's my that's my little tip, but you know, you already know what it is, man. Feel free to do your own thing. And don't forget to check out SPCALA.com and NKLA.org where you can adopt or donate to save a pet today. You can find all the links and social handles I've mentioned in the show notes for this episode. Flaky Biscuit is executive produced by Sandy Bailey, Alex Alche, Lauren Homan, Tyler Klang, and Gabrielle Collins. Our creative producer is Bridget Kenna, And our editor and producer is Nicholas Harder with music by Crucial. Recipes from Flaky Biscuit can be found each week on Shondaland.com. Subscribe to the Shondaland YouTube channel for more Flaky Biscuit content. Flaky Biscuit is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.